the World War II Raiders are just a remarkable group of special forces that were trained to go in and do uh, really, you know, your show is called The Point of the Spear, The Tip of the Spear, and that's really what they were. They would go in and do raids, quick, fast traveling, very quickly. They were tremendous hand-to-hand combat warriors. They uh, used their knives, stilettos, and had a lot of very special things, that tactics that they used during the war. An excerpt from today's guest, speaking about a legendary World War II Special Forces outfit that lasted less than 22 months. Author Carol Averett is here, and I'll speak with her about her book on the Marine Raiders right after this break. I'm Robert Child, and this is Point of the Spirit. Next time you're on YouTube, check out our Point of the Spirit YouTube channel. We've got bonus video material from podcasts plus tons of military history videos, including full-length documentaries. It's a great way to spend some time, and don't forget to subscribe while you're there. And click the bell icon so you'll be notified of all the great weekly videos we're uploading. Welcome back. Today's guest grew up in a military family. She graduated from the University of California, Davis, with a double major BA in English and History specializing in military history. She served as the Holmes editor with Southern Living Magazine for nearly 15 years. Her seventh and current book is called Marine Raiders, the true story of the legendary World War II battalions. And author Carol Engel Everett joins us now. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our honor. This is a fascinating history this unit has did you grow up in a military family? Do you have a military background? Uh, y- yes. Um, my father was career Navy. Um, he and my mother divorced uh, not soon after World War II. He had joined just prior to World War II, so he was in it through the entire time. Um, but I did get to meet him when I was about eight years old. He was returning from the Orient. Um, a very fascinating uh, fella. When he got out of the Navy, he worked for the FAA, got his private pilot's license. My own stepdad, uh, the day after he graduated from law school in December 1941, signed up, joined the very next day. And he was in North Africa, Sicily, and up the boot of Italy with General Mark Clark. And my, um, my father's brother, my uncle Jasper, decided that he wanted some adventure in his life. So when the um, American Veterans Group uh, began, the AVG volunteer group, he joined up and was the chief mechanic for General Claire Lee Chenault of the Mm. Flying Tigers in China. So I grew up with men that had fascinating stories about World War II, and um, it's just been my privilege and honor to be able to record some of those, some of those incredible stories from that from that uh, era uh, recently. So uh, it's just it's just an honor for me to do this. Absolutely. Um, what was it that drew you to the Marine Raiders, and what what makes this unit stand out? Uh, well. The, um, I really did not know much about the Marine Raiders. And as I have done my research over the past four years on them, I'm not the only one. Uh, a lot of people who are sort of uh, World War II history buffs but focus more on the European theater. And I think that's especially true of the general reading public. We just know more about Europe, you know. And um, 
you, you know, most people have been to Paris, perhaps, or, you know, Italy, but you don't hear too many people say, oh, I just can't wait to go on my two-week vacation to Guadalcanal. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it, it's just a different area. But as I got into it and as I learned more about it, you know, the war in the Pacific really had, was ferocious and right. going two years before uh, what we usually mark as the beginning of our major involvement in Europe is D-Day, right. uh, the Normandy invasion, even though we were, had already been in North, North Africa, obviously, in Sicily and Italy some. But I was just drawn to it, and I went to a Marine Raider reunion a few years ago and got to meet some of these World War II heroes personally. And if it's all right, I'd like to share a one particular story. Sure. Um, one of the Raiders that I met at that reunion a few years ago was a gentleman by the name of Ed the Swede Blomberg. And he was called the Swede for the obvious reasons, great big tall guy, six foot, six foot four, um, a World War II Raider of, of wonderful stories. And I, I just absolutely love talking to him and, and hearing his stories. And part of his, my meeting him was one of the things that convinced me I wanted to write about the Raiders. So I included him in the book of one of four young men that I focused on especially. And Rob, um, unfortunately, last night, I, I got a phone call uh, from his family and Ed passed away at, at nine o'clock. He was 101 years old, turned wow. 101 this past December 22nd. And um, just a remarkable man. His story is in the book from start to finish. After the war, he spent uh, nearly the rest of his life as a missionary in the rainforest of Belize. And uh, there's an incredible story in there. He sustained a, a very shattering uh, injury in on um, New Georgia, as a matter of fact, in the, that campaign of 1943. And that injury in his shoulder lasted him all the way through the time that he was a missionary. But just a spectacular fellow, tremendous stories. And um, the World War II Raiders are just a remarkable group of special forces that were trained to go in um, and do uh, really, you know, your show is called uh, the point of the spear, the tip of the spear. And that's right. really what they were. Um, they would go in and do raids, quick, fast traveling uh, very quickly. They were tremendous hand-to-hand um, -hand combat uh, warriors. They uh, used their knives, stilettos, and had a lot of um, very special things, that tactics that they used during the war. It, it was just a remarkable research. For me, I spent four years researching it, okay, and right. um, the stories are, are truly amazing. Well, we should dedicate this episode to um, that warrior that just yes. passed away. Ed, the Swede Blomberg. Yeah. So, um, and we, our prayers and thoughts go out to his family today. Absolutely. How did uh, he was one of four? How did you uh, choose the other three? Choose those. You... Choose those uh, ones. When I got into studying about the Raiders, the original Raiders in World War II had four battalions. The first battalion was activated by the Commandant on February 16th, 1942. And about th uh, three days later, second Raider Battalion was activated. And then in the summer of 42, third Raider Battalion was activated and then fourth Raider Battalion. 
not many or really no one had ever covered the Raiders from sort of an umbrella approach looking down mm -hmm. at all four battalions because they were in fact a complete unit of, of four battalions. So as good fortune would have it, I wound up having um, some wonderful uh, information given to me about the uh, man from first rate of battalion. His family had all of his letters. And mm. when on a trip to Quantico for research, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Shushko, who uh, recently retired from the Marines after 44 years uh, in and around the Marine Corps, mm. he invited, he had invited me to see his building where he was gathering uh, World War II memorabilia from the Raiders. And one of the things that he showed me was a folder that was filled with letters written by Lee Manier from the battlefield. So I had access to all of those, access to uh, his family diaries. So I, he was first Marine Raider Battalion. And then I, I met, had the privilege and honor of meeting three more Marine Raiders, one from 2nd Battalion, one from 3rd, and one from 4th. And all three of those men, I was the last one to interview all three of those men and take their stories and add them to the book. So I had a great, great story for each of the four battalions. And um, so it just, uh, the structure fell into place after that. Yeah, that makes sense to interview one from each battalion, that's for sure. In your research over the four years, was there a mission that one of these battalions went on that stood out in your mind? Well, the many of the battles that the Marine Raiders of World War II were involved in became really rubbing shoulders with names like Montezuma and AAA and Bellow Woods for the Marine Corps. You have, for example, 1st Raider Battalion participated in an engagement that was called Edson's Bloody Ridge. It was a 36 to 38 hour nonstop battle that mm. really turned the tide, secured Henderson Field for the Marine Corps on Guadalcanal. Um, it, but it was a ferocious, bloody battle. In fact, a lot of Marines simply call it the, the Ridge rather than the Battle of the Bloody Ridge. And Lee Manier was a part of that. And we have some incredible stories from that particular battle. Another one that comes to mind um, is uh, Carlson's Long Patrol. And that was 2nd Raider Battalion with Carlson's Raiders. They were on patrol in the jungles for 30, 31 days. And, and no one thought that they would be able to do such a thing. They had minimal food. Sometimes they went two or three days without food. And we have a firsthand account from the young man that was that participated in that. His name was Kenny Merrill. And um, I tell you a funny, a funny story about sure. Kenny. Um, when he first became a raider, they were practicing in the desert in California before they were deployed to the South Pacific. And Evans Carlson was the leader of 2nd Raider Battalion, and his XO was a young man named Major Jimmy Roosevelt, and he was the son of FDR. Mm. And so Kenny got to know, of course, Major Roosevelt very well. And when they were out on one of their 25-mile marches preparing and, and uh, learning to be a raider out in the desert, Kenny told me, he said, you know, he said, I'm from Arizona. And any kind of water uh, in the desert, we consider a, a blessing. 
And so on one of their stops, he had already emptied his can- canteen. So he gets down on his hands and knees on the, f- the floor of the desert. And he found a, 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 a puddle, a, a, a mud puddle. And so he's on his all fours and he buries his face down into the mud puddle and he's licking it up like a dog. And Jimmy Roosevelt, who had very bad eyesight and flat feet, those are kind of some of his, uh, were some of his uh, trademarks physically, Mm. got on his glasses and he's walking along and he had taken his spectacles off to wipe the sweat off. And he he doesn't see Kenny down on the on his all fours and so he nearly trips over him, nearly falls flat on his face. And of course he gets up now, you know, murmur, murmur, I'm cleaning this up a little bit. <laughs> oh, what are you doing, Kenny, down there on your, you know, this and that? And um, gee whiz. And of course that's really cleaned up for what he said. Sure. But uh, so Kenny says, Well, sir, I'm just down here getting a drink of water. And so Roosevelt says, Well, for blankety bank get up out of that mud puddle and everybody of course just died laughing well they nicknamed kenny that day second raider battalion mud hole and for the rest of his life he was called mud hole merrill and in fact even when he died at 98 his obituary the title was mud hole merrill uh, finally goes home and we just, uh, I've, I've been with his family and they are so funny. They say, you know, you can go to a, a, a Marine gathering or a reunion. You can say Kenny Merrill. Nobody has any idea who you're talking about. But if you say Mudhole Merrill, they know exactly who you're talking about. And he, what a character he was. And what you were asking about, we were talking about Carlson's long patrol. Right. Mudhole was on that patrol. And in the book, I have his personal eyewitness account. It, it was excruciating, and uh, I, I don't see how the guys really made it through that uh, month uh, in the jungle. The jungle was really as much of an enemy as the, as the two-legged ones that they were fighting. That's for and sure. um, Kenny's firsthand account is is one of the most touching, um, poignant uh, things I think I've ever read. Next time you're on YouTube, check out our Point of the Spear YouTube channel. We've got bonus video material from podcasts plus tons of military history videos, including full-length documentaries. It's a great way to spend some time, and don't forget to subscribe while you're there. And click the bell icon so you'll be notified of all the great weekly videos we're uploading. They, uh, they seemed like they were very effective in what they did. What I was confused about was that they were disbanded after only 20 months. Yes, yes. Um, uh, a little bit longer than 20, around 22 months thereabouts. Oh. Um, what happened, Rob, is that the war in the South Pacific began to grow and to change. Uh, as you know, uh, they, they call those islands leading up to Japan itself as the, the island ladder or the chain of islands that they had. And they were like, uh, you know, they would almost like hopping from one lily pad to the next as they moved northward. And from one island to the next, the the engagements required more and more men. Um, the, The Japanese were focusing thousands upon thousands and we had to respond with thousands and thousands of men. And the engagements became stiffer they became uh, more necessary of heavier equipment, heavier guns. 
Um, and so no longer were uh, fast moving raiding parties, light carrying light weaponry, uh, fast, uh, you know, moving quickly to the cause, cause disruption and chaos, and then quickly back out. They, they simply were no longer um, needed, uh, no longer of, of, of import to the engagements that they became involved in. And so the raiders were disbanded yet folded into the main regular line divisions of Marines, but continued to perform brilliantly um, in terms of medals that they received and, and accolades and, and uh, valor awards along the way. So they continued to do uh, just magnificent things as they went along. The beauty though, is that in 2006, after decades of not having this special forces unit within the Marine Corps, the foundation was laid to bring back special forces. And in 2014, these special forces who were at that time called MARSOC mm -hmm. were renamed again by the Commandant General Amos, according to their ancestry, they were renamed Marine Raiders. And so for about the past six, seven, eight years, the Marine Raiders are now back, uh, back in the Marine Corps. I know that these, uh, these men who fought in World War II have been so proud of that. And in the reunions of recent years, they have been able to meet a lot of their um, predecessors that fought so valiantly as, as special forces in World War II in the Pacific. When I was at Camp Lejeune, in fact, a couple of months ago with the Swede himself, the young Marine Raiders, you know, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, absolutely loved gathering around him. Mm. And um, he was just in his element, 100 years old at the time. And um, just absolutely, it was just such a thrill to see uh, the, 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 interlay, the interface of the young ones with, with the ancestry, uh, with their heritage. And um, so it's just a great, great thing. So I can imagine, I can picture it. And uh, I, I did do some research into uh, the Raiders for a book series, the Revived Raiders, and they served in um, Afghanistan, didn't they? Absolutely. Uh, that was right at the beginning of, of course, the War on Terror, and it, that was in the early 2000s. I've met many of uh, those particular uh, warriors that um, some of them are still in um, the Marine Corps. Some have since retired. Um, but the tradition of the special forces and uh, the the things that they can do, the, the uh, special skill sets that they have uh, continue on to this day. Remarkable group of, of units, fighting forces. I, I agree. And into my research, I uh, discovered that their moniker is Silent Warrior. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, there is a, um, a sense that, um, you know, they go in quickly, uh, undercover, stealthily. There's a, an absolutely incredible story in, in my book uh, that I learned about of when I was doing my research. Mm -hmm. This happened on uh, as the Marine Raiders in 1st Raider Battalion were headed to Guadalcanal before the invasion on August 1st, 1942. And they had stopped in Noumea. And one night in the officers club, evidently um, 
Colonel Edson, who was the uh, leader, uh, leading commanding officer of First Raider Battalion, got into a sort of a my, my guys can do this or my guys can do that with the commander of the base. And they had a, um, a radar uh, unit up in the mountains on, uh, actually, I'm sorry, I, I, I said Numea, it was actually um, Pago Pago. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that, they had a, a, a radar unit up in the mountains that no one was supposed to be able to get to. It was secret. And Edson said, well, I bet you I've got some guys that can go up there and, and uh, get through your security. And so on and so forth. He says, so the commanding general said, Edson, there's no way in the world. He said, we've got that place so secure, you know, you, you'd never get to it. Well, a couple of nights later, the Raiders had not only been able to gain access into the radar site, but they left a stiletto stuck in the desk right in front of the, the radar, the radar operator's radio <laughs> and had gotten back out and they never knew until they walked into the, that radar site that morning and there was this stiletto sticking in the, um, in the desk. So it's, it's such a great story and um, shows you the uh, ability that they had to, to, to get things done very, very quietly. Yeah, that is a great story. Are you working on uh, a new book uh, focused on the military? Well, uh, I'm uh, casting nets right now. Uh, a couple of things that I have in mind. Um, when I did uh, the Marine Raider book, I, there is a gentleman who is still alive. He was in First Raider Battalion. He was only 17 when he joined up. Um, and he was Roosevelt's um, chauffeur. Um, we drove him around base, and um, he's got some wonderful stories. But there's also some stories about a Catholic priest that actually went through the Raider training. Hmm. And um, he was in Guadalcanal. He, he went alongside the men, um, even into battle, and um, just a remarkable uh, man with some remarkable stories. His story has never been recorded. Um, he's well known in certain circles, but um, of, of Marine Corps history and lore. But um, I've, I'm sort of thinking about um, about that. I would love to maybe do uh, another book on Marine Raiders. But. I'm sure there's a, definitely a market for it. Uh, your current book, though, is called Marine Raiders, the true story of the legendary World War II battalions. And it's available everywhere. Carol, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, Rob, it, this has been my absolute pleasure and honor. I thank you so much for having me. And uh, another God bless to the Blomberg family as they celebrate the uh, life well lived in Ed the Swede Blomberg, World War II Marine Raider. And we're pleased to dedicate this episode to that World War II warrior. Next time, New York Times bestselling history thriller author Steve Barry will be here talking about his widely popular, long-running series featuring main character, Cotton Malone. In each Cotton Malone book, I try to explore another facet of his personality that we have never seen before. And I do that in every book. There's some aspect of his personality that I go into that forms the basis of that story. And you get a pretty good picture of him after 17 books and how he is a a different kind of guy than he was in the beginning. That's next time. And if you like what you hear, leave a review or a rating or just click the follow button. You can find me on Twitter, at Rob Child, where you can share your comments about the show. I'm Robert Child, and this has been Point of the Spirit. 
Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group.